And we're back Tuesday, Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. I actually remembered, I think, this week. Hold on a second here. Let me make sure that my audio... Oh, yeah. There it is. We're good. External mic. Yesterday, I was reminded from listeners. Thank you. Your mic wasn't working. Well... It's working today, so I appreciate the feedback. Welcome in Tuesday. You know what that means? We're looking ahead to next week. A lot of golf here coming up uh, this week. Of course, AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am out there at the Monterey Peninsula, Pebble Beach Golf Links, opposite of the Saudi Arabia event, which is an independent event. Of course, a lot of big names playing over there. We'll get some thoughts on that as well. This week, really excited. Uh, our guest this week He's out there in um, in in the in Europe, in England, and he joins me. Um, you know him on Twitter, Ben Coley. How you doing, my man? I'm good, Travis. Thanks for having me on. Um, sorry for the delay. Listeners, I guess, won't know that I, I was supposed to be on a bit earlier, but there was a fire alarm here, so it's been a fun day. <laughs> well, hopefully everything's okay, right? Yeah, I think we're fine. I can see no smoke, so I, I think we're okay. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. Uh, I follow your work uh, on Twitter, and I've been meaning to reach out and do this, and things happen. Um, I know you have your, your own business there in, in the gambling world, but you also, with a lot of different sports, uh, but golf is one that you're very passionate about as well. Yeah, I, like many, I fell in love with golf when I was a kid, thanks to my granddad. And, you know, as I got older, I realized that I didn't have to just hack it around on a field. I could actually watch and bet on this sport instead and and have more enjoyment that way. Although I, I still like to get the clubs out when I can. But yeah, bad golfer, but um, hopefully not too bad a golf analyst. Well, I can help with that. You know, my trade is teaching. I, I 22 years of, of coaching and, you know, now with the podcast and everything kind of expanding, Tuesdays become a little more gambling centric. So maybe we can change out. You can give me some tips on this gambling stuff and I can give you some stuff on, uh, on your golf swing. I want to ask you as we get started here, um, there's an event in Saudi Arabia, which when you look at the fields here, Saudi Arabia has uh, three top tens or three top 10 players in the world. They have six in the top 20, 21 in the top 50 this week, AT&T there's one top 10 player. That's Cantley three in the top 20 and 10 in the top 50 kind of interesting times, right? Saudi Arabia, of course, headed up by Greg Norman as the face. They're trying to push out with this competitor league. This is a big week for them getting, the likes of Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley over there. They're going to be whining and dining them on their plans. Just curious to get your thoughts. Just, you know, this whole Saudi Arabia thing. Do you have, I mean, the big players are over there. Do you have any interest in betting on that, watching that? You look at AT&T, Pebble Beach. It's interesting. It's obviously the most popular course probably in the United States. You look at this field. It's like, man, they deserve better than this, don't they? Yeah, I mean, look, where do you start? There, there are people more qualified than me, I guess, to to talk about it. I, I don't think they should be there. I, I don't think the players should be there. I, I don't think people like Dustin Johnson should be taking that money, to be frank. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do about it, um, I suppose. Um, and and I, I will acknowledge that it's easy when you've not been offered that money to say you wouldn't take that money, right? And if someone from some government overseas decided to offer me loads and loads of money that might change my life and force me to you know, decide between difficult things, I'd you know, it's all hypothetical. I could, I can sit here and pontificate about it, but I've never been faced with that choice. So I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to tell you these, these are bad people. They're some of my favorite golfers are out there, right? Shane Lowry's a fundamentally good human mm-hmm. being and he is out there. So 
I don't want to judge them too heavily, but I do think it's a serious thing, and I don't think they should be there. Um, the, but as a sports fan, I suppose the thing I would say is that the reason we all get into sport, really, before we get to this stage and trying to work out who's going to win it, um, is because of its soul um, mm-hmm. and because of, you know, history is a big part of it. You can't just, you can't buy that. Um, and it eventually it gives way, doesn't it? I, I think of football or soccer, as you call it over there, like all the great stadiums of this country, almost all of them have been knocked down and replaced by purpose-built ones that are twice the size and can make more money, right? So it happens in all sports. Um, this is just a very um strong and, and difficult example of of um a new a new face you know i think if this yeah. this new this new tour was in australia then it would be a different conversation um but the the sad thing for me is that um it doesn't matter how dustin johnson plays this week really who cares if he wins yeah. another saudi international he's getting paid loads of money um and and the best sport is always the stuff that actually matters and you know i think pebble beach matters a bit more yeah i, I agree i totally agree with that and um you know it's it really isn't too life-changing for a lot of these guys that are getting paid. I mean, DJ's got loads of money already. Xander's got loads of money and it's business is business. You, you got to go about it the way that you're comfortable. And I'm surprised, you know, that as many did go over there um, that we're seeing, it's certainly a better field. And frankly, Pebble beach deserves better, but you know, on, on the other side of that, AT&T Pebble Beach, they've decided that, okay, this Pro-Am format, which they've done historically, is is what they're going to do. You know, that's what they decide to do. And I think as we move ahead, does the sports fan and does the player really want to continue to watch this type of format that is now spread out over once again this year over three courses, which is difficult to follow. And in the sports world, in the gambling world, I should say, it makes it even more complicated, right, because of shot link data and things like that that you'd like to have at your fingertips so it's an interesting spot in the week i am surprised as many has gone over there but hey we got a field we've got a tournament not many um let's see i I love west coast golf i love sitting here in prime time and watching the golf at tory pine south late i love the saturday finish that was cool and now I, I, was up, I was up until 2 a.m., so I'm going to disagree there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not cool for you guys. <laughs> Under, yeah, that's fair. You're five hours ahead of me, so, yeah, that's not, that's not fair. But, um, you know, at Pebble Beach, right, watching this place on TV here, it's February 1st, and people are like, all right, spring is kind of – it's out there now, right? Short month. We can start thinking about golf, so let's get at it. Three courses that they play, Pebble Beach, Spyglass, and Monterey Peninsula once again this year. Pebble's par 72, Spy's par 72, Monterey's par 71. None of these are really long courses in that 7,000 range. Um, You know, now we get into this POA aspect, which is like this voodoo word that some guys can putt and, and, and some can't. I've been out there a couple times. These are very small greens, particularly at Pebble. Very small. You really don't get an appreciation until you actually stand there and you look at it. Um, they're slow. Um, you can't get them too fast because of the slope and the undulation with the greens and whatnot. So it's an interesting week. They kind of throw a, a curveball at you with POA, which seems to put a bit of a slant on things. But this is a week as I look at it, and I want to get your thoughts on breaking this down. Accuracy certainly plays more of a role this week. Um, you know, it's a second shot type of facility. Approach is huge. Got to make some putts. The weather looks really good. So I think we could be certainly in the high teens, potentially maybe 
negative 20 this week. What are some factors you're looking at out there at Pebble? Yeah, I think you touched upon most of them there. I mean, accuracy here um, versus last week is quite a stark contrast, I would say. Um, you know, when we got Luke List and Will Zalatoris and, and various pursuers there who basically, um, obviously brilliant ball strikers, but they have that extra 10, 20 yards in the locker, uh, which doesn't really help you at, at Pebble Beach. And obviously that'll be a challenge for for Zalatoris in particular, um, coming to a less suitable course just days after after missing a putt to uh, to win his first PGA Tour title. So, yeah, I mean, I think back to the US Open, I know you know we all know that conditions are very very different um from from this tournament in january february to to june for the us open but go back to 2010 and um gregory havray was the forgotten man on that leaderboard behind graham mcdowell right would have been one of the most surprising uh, major mm. winners of all time and you know for for a long time he's been among the most accurate drivers um on the european tour the same would go for graham mcdowell and you look at the guys who've won here or 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 been successful here in broader terms, that's generally the remit. Um, and it's certainly the case for Daniel Berger. Uh, you know, he's, he's an above average accuracy driver among the world's elite. It kind of sets him apart from from some of the others. So um, it, it's a positional tactical golf um, mm-hmm. and, and and those who have got their long games in check and, and then can cope with the Poana. I, uh, it, it sounds simple, but I think if anything, the the thing I would stress is that there's just a lot of volatility built into this event. Mm-hmm. I, I think in some respects that comes from the multi-course. You know, if you're at the wrong, if you're at Pebble Beach when the wind blows, it it could be a really bad draw. Yeah. Um, but it also comes from the amateurs and the pace of play and the pace of the greens and the pin positions. It it just makes it more a level playing field. You yeah. throw in a weak field and and there are a lot of potential winners here. It feels like a gut week, doesn't it? In some ways, I mean, just like you look at all these things that you said, and I'm like, you know, I, I, it's amazing. Like you start filling up all these factors on your, on your, on your paper. You know, the things that you're going to start looking at, and and this week always has just so many different variables that you don't have to manage a lot of the times in previous weeks. And you make good points with the amateurs playing, the pace of play. You know, they're all sensitive and try to stay out of the way, but it's just different. Um, you know, some people are going to struggle and they're shanking it over there and they, you know, it's taking them a while to actually get up to the green and putt out. So yeah, patience um, is certainly key out there. You also make a great point And just when you do play pebble, if you get the day that the wind happens to blow more, because that's a huge difference on that golf course when it starts to, to blow a bit more uh, on pebble beach, we've seen it historically play out this, this week, you've had some big names, Win here. Phil Mickelson's won five times here. Tiger certainly has won here. Spieth has won here. But then you get the guys that, you know, long shots. They win here as well. Nick Taylor was, I think, 125 to one when he when he won here. Ted Potter was 250 to 300 to one uh, when he won here. Vaughn Taylor, where the hell did that come from? When he's in there swinging on the golf robot that they have there on site and grooving his swing. And that's what he does. He goes out and wins at 200 to one. So look, these papers, I could just probably just throw these up in the air and just start picking some names here and whatnot. Before we get started, I want to ask you about a guy on the European tour that's here this week. 51st ranked player in the world, Min Woo Lee. Uh, he, he's getting some chatter over here. I don't know about course fit though for Min Woo this week. It can be tough. He's a, he's kind of a long ball hitter, right? I mean, he's, he can get it out there, but he's not real accurate. I don't know. Is this is this the right place for him? Abel? I, I I think he would have been better off last week at <laughs> Pines, definitely. Yeah. Um, I dare say from memory he's probably played there in the World Junior as well. But um, look, I think he has everything 
um, you'd want in a modern golfer um, from mindset. Obviously, his sister is a, is a world-class golfer in her own right, comes from a sporting family. He, he's shown that he can win big events very, very quickly in his career. He, he beat Tommy Fleetwood and, and Thomas Dietrich in a playoff for a Rolex Series event last summer, the Scottish Open. So the sky is the absolute limit. Um, the challenge he faces, um, you know, a broader one than this week, I guess, is that, um, and it, and it's it's not unique to him. It, it's a familiar one for European players. Is that they get to this point in the rankings, they start getting invites to play on the PGA Tour, and it can be difficult to know what's the best thing to do. I, I think the the most recent example would be Bob McIntyre, who, you know, tried to go through Corn Ferry qualifying um, at finals last year. It didn't work out. He, he played a he played the Wyndham, you know, and he's ended up missing um, the Ryder Cup falling out of the world's mm. top 50 and and he sort of back to square one a little bit um and and some would say he was trying to run before he could walk mm. the alternative is you know i can understand surely as a as a sportsman that that opportunity comes along you have to take it you have to trust yourself um to to take advantage and and you believe in your ability as you should so minwoo will have no problem in self-belief um his schedule is going to be interesting um but in terms of the long range he has the potential to be a top 10 in the world player without question yeah, I'm excited to watch him more. I really am. I um, I was really excited when Higo came over. I was all over him. I loved Garrick Higo and just his demeanor and his game, and was able to hit him when he won um, in South Carolina, which was which was a phenomenal finish. But um, yeah, I'm excited to watch Min. He's an interesting name to me this week. Mito Pereira is an interesting name to me um, this week. I love that kid's game. I think that is more of a course fit here for Mito. Um, and, you know, there's some others. So let's get right to it here. I've got a lot of, man, I just feel like I got a lot of stuff down on, on paper here today. A lot of things to consider. And we're going to go through this week. We'll start at the top here. Some of the favorites. Um, we've got some picks here, some leans that we're looking at. And of course, we've got another day, Wednesday, before they tee off on Thursday this week. That is amazing. You lose that day last week. Everything just feels like, man, this is all coming at us way too fast. So we do have another day. We'll give us our leans. Of course, Patrick Cantlay, he's the favorite um, got to check around here on different odds, but I'll go ahead and put out these like he's around eight to one right now. Patrick is Daniel Berger, as you mentioned, um, is at 14 to one uh, Berger, the defending champion, Wills Al Torres, a little bitter taste in his mouth from last week. He puts it all. He wins last week. Now coming to a spot, probably not the best fit. We'll see if he can keep it going at 18 to one. And then Spieth and Jason day, hovering around the 20 to one of those five names, any that you're kind of leaning on um, kind of get things started here. I, I think Cantlay is actually quite appealing in some ways. I, I didn't go with him in the end. <clears throat> I think he'd be very popular in fantasy golf and rightly sure. so. I think odds wise, you know, he's, he's about a point shorter for this than he was the Amex. Uh, the Amex, he had John Rahm, uh, he had Abe Ansa, Sung Jae-im, Tony Finau, you know, just a little bit more depth at the top. And actually, if Daniel Berger is hurting and, and he had a bit of a hip problem last weekend, I, I don't know what the latest is with that, but it it didn't look good. Um, you know, Jordan Spieth's form is really a concern. And, and Jason Day, being the odds he is, says a lot about this tournament. I know he's got all the course form in the world, but he's the world number 83 and he's 20 to one. It just doesn't feel right to me. So, um, and, and then you've got Zalatoris who, I mean, I thought there was a quite a nice quote from him on Sunday night where, sorry, Saturday night, mm-hmm. um, where he said, this reminded him of the Corn Ferry tour where he had a great chance to win, didn't take it, um, but took all the positives and he won the very next week. Um, a lot of people will, will like the sound of that. 
Um, I probably would have myself if they were in Phoenix, but I just think this place, it, it shackles him a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, of the names you mentioned, um, I would narrow it down to Spieth and Cantlay, but given uh, Jordan looks like he's taken a big step backwards the last few weeks, so uh, I'll go with Cantlay as by far the most appealing of those. Yeah, Spieth all of a sudden doesn't look good again, you know, and he looks like he's thinking a lot. Um, he looks like he's in between. You know, I've talked about this whole Spieth situation um, complete exhaustion on, on the podcast last week because again my coaching background and what he's working on and why and then how they had to reverse engineer it and all of a sudden now he's instinctive again hitting balls he's hitting a fade and then you know the offseason they go back and they start rewiring you see the club looking better at the top and now he looks like he's thinking again and you know he, he played terrible last week missing the cut He's at 20 to one. I, I I'm going to stay away from that. I was on the Jason day looks good again to me. Um, he, you know, his course history, you're not going to match it five and top sevens in the last five years. That usually is going to get it done. He loves it here. Uh, and I was at a pop Springs. He came out, he looks trim. He looks, he looks good. You know, I think the stuff he's doing in the swing with Chris Coma makes a lot of sense. Um, so Jason Day is going to get a lot of play. I, you know, Will, you get into this type of place, Ben. It, it seems like that wedge game, 100 125, is a huge, huge number here. Will's a wonderful ball striker, but not, but not great in that range. I think that probably is more of his opportunity in the approach wedge game. I like the seven in his hands, the six iron in his hands. That's when he starts absolutely wearing people out. So I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to shade away from Will as well. And if I had to pick between Cantley and Berger, it just feels like Berger just absolutely loves this place. It just, you know what I'm saying? It just feels like he's at home. This is, this is his place. Um, so I'm, I'm going to certainly lean towards Daniel Berger there some as well. Now, as we keep going down, McNeely's going to get a lot of play. Maverick uh, played well here last week, played well or last year played well last week at 28 to one Roche surprised me last week at 28 to one. looks like Justin Rose might be perhaps more interested in playing golf than making commercials. Seamus power 30 to one love Seamus Cameron Tringali. Is this the week Cameron Tringali gets his win this week? Could it be 30 to one? It definitely could be. You've got a weak field. that's in his home state. He's got a course form. You know, he's a neat and tidy player. He's not going to suffer the disadvantage of, like, you go into that Sunday at Torrey Pines, and I, I'm not really one who thinks Cameron's got some great mental block. I, You know, I, I tend to give players a probably too easy a time. I, there's so many players who take 150, 200 starts to get off the mark, and then they win three. Um, now, he's a few more down the road than that, but I, I think there's a good chance he wins a tournament, and and when he does, it'll probably be a course like this. Um, whether you want to bet on him when, you know, I'm sure we'll come to Matt Fitzpatrick, but you've got better golfers at bigger odds than that. You know, that that always is a question. Um, what you said about Mav is absolutely true. Um, you, he feels a little bit short. And, and whereas, as far as Rose is concerned, I think him and Day, it actually reminds me of this tournament last year with Spieth because with the schedule different last year, Spieth had played really well at Phoenix and came to Pebble Beach and all of a sudden his odds were in for 125 to 1 to 25 to 1. And people still want to bet him and understandably so, and he played really well. And it could well be that Rose and Day are both capable of that. I mean, as far as Rose goes, you know, he's, He's played some good stuff for six months now. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's he's, he's Justin Rose, right? I, he's never going to be the golfer he was, but he's certainly capable of winning tournaments like this. Yeah, Maverick Neal is really good at these these short par fours, three fifty to four hundred. You know, in the four hundred range, which you have a lot across these courses. He's very good there. You know, that hundred to hundred twenty five range we talked about. 
The second most from a range is 175 to 200, and he's very good there too. <laughs> so, I mean, he's he's uh, he's kind of dialed in on a lot of these uh, ranges that you have. Good driver of the golf ball um, is putting right there, upper third for sure. So, yeah, he's he's interesting guys. You know, went to Stanford, so he certainly knows how to play uh, in California. I'm kind of a Seamus Power homer. I, I like to try to get out ahead of players who I think are coming. We we talked about Sam Burns a lot a couple of years ago when he was coming. Um, and and I feel like Seamus is another one of those players who's just starting now to get into his peak. I could bet Seamus Power to win. I think he's down to 22 to 1 now. It says 30 into here, but I think he's been bet down a bit. Um I might wait that out. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I do like Seamus, though. I, I think he's a guy that I'll be playing um, some this week. And it does kind of feel like perhaps with this field that Tringali finished seventh here last year, continues to play great golf. He didn't blink playing with John Rahm last week. He's getting more comfortable. It very well could be the week, you know. I'm not going to bet it, but it very well could be the week. But I am going to bet Matthew Fitzpatrick. You know, I am going to bet Matt, this is place for him, right? I mean, he's going to hit it in the fairway. He's going to hit his driver. He's a lot of these guys are going to club down three wood drive. He's going to hit his driver out there in the fairway and he's going to make some putts, right? Like that's sounds good. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> sounds good to me. Look, yeah. I, I mean, I like Fitz a lot. He was 12th okay. here in the U S open. Um, I thought his opening odds, I mean, he opened 40 to one here. Uh, it's just, I, I, it's, it's red. I'm surprised by a price. I, it doesn't make sense to me. He's the fifth no, ranked golfer in the fifth ranked golfer in the field. I, in, and okay, he's playing his first tournament back, but he's got a good record in in those events. I think it's significant that Billy Foster's with him. Um, this time last year, I think um, Dan Rappaport, the excellent golf journalist and, and very good golf player, by all accounts, caddied for Fitz um, for for a sort of one off, a, a bit of fun, and um, they're friends from college. And you know that I think that tells you a little about. Bait a bit about his focus, but no doubt the next thing for him to do is establish himself on the PGA tour. And he's going to do it at short courses, right? He says his favorite is Harbour town. This is a similar sort of thing. Um, and I just, I really didn't understand the price. I, I think he's a 20 to one shot. So yeah, he's, he's the one for me. I think he's the best bet this week. He's bet down to 28. Now I'm still going to bet it. I'm that's 28 to one. Uh, Seamus is now down to 22. So he's been, he's been bet down. Um, this is DraftKings Sportsbook. Cameron's at 25. And then Mito's at 40. Sign me up. I'll bet Mito. Yeah, yeah you said that. it sounds like a, it, 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 it makes sense as a course for him, doesn't it? I, I generally favor a bit more experience. I know Matt, Matt's obviously only played here three times and he, yep. he's quite young, but he is, you know, he's, he's been seven years a tour professional now and um he's won a heck of a lot in europe so um he is more experienced than his than his age and yeah generally i, I favor age but mito's one of those isn't he i think everybody uh is kind of trying to make sure they're on him on that week where he wins because it feels like he he'll go very close to winning this year um you know, he's a fabulous long game and um yeah trying to find the right event is always the the fun of the challenge and I think a lot of people felt they got the right event for for Zalatoris last week and, and were probably a bit unlucky, but Mito's in that similar, you know, not quite where where Will is, but of the Corn Ferry Tour graduates right up there. Yeah, experience does, you make some good points. Experience does, definitely does play out here. Mito could be easily a very solid top 20 play here. Um, I'm looking at him right now. For some reason, looks like they took him off the top 20 board. I can't. 
Oh, there he is. He's at plus 180 right now, top 20. So Mito top 20. Um, I'm definitely going to go back to the well with Seamus. I'm going to live with Seamus. I, I I got him at a better number, but I, I'm going to I'm going to continue to go to the well until he gets that win at the places that make sense, similar to Sam Burns. Um, but Mito, God, you look at his you look at his game. I mean, I'm just fascinated to watch Mito Pereira just kind of play out. You know, I mean, he's he's longer than most, and he's pretty damn accurate. You know, he's a really, really good driver of the golf ball, and he's got a, a nice, he's got a very solid approach game. And I would say he's right there about average in putting. You know, he's not a bad putter. And his short game is fine. So he's just, you know, I signed me up for that. Um, gosh, you, you know, you just look at Ted Potter wins here, right? I mean, Vaughn Taylor wins here. Nick, okay. Mito Pereira can win here. Um, let's see. Mito, uh, Seamus Power can win here. Matthew Fitzpatrick can win here, right? There's there's no question about it. All right, so let's kind of move on here. I do have – I am making a note here. I think I'll go Mito top 20 and um, and certainly Seamus to win at this point. All right, moving on here as we continue to look down the odds. Lanto's coming in. He opened at 50. Ryan Palmer gets a lot of respect here, 50. I mean, I know he's a straight driver of the ball. Damn. Streelman, 50. Kiz, 50. Kiz doesn't like Poana, though. I mean, he's performed pretty well, but I've heard him talk like he doesn't like the greens. Mackenzie yeah, Hughes. A, there's a great quote from Kisner somewhere where he said, I'm just a Southern boy. I like Bermuda and I hate mm-hmm. Poana. It's something it always is in the back of my mind whenever I'm thinking about uh, you know, if he's going to win on the West Coast, it'll be here, I'd have thought. But, um, yeah, he wasn't for me. I quite like Streelman. I mean, over here, 50 was the very best yep. number you could get. There was a lot of 30 and 35. I think if there'd been more 50 around, I, I would have been quite tempted by that. You know, he hit it really well last week, as you'd expect, and and he loves it here. So, I, And he's a, you know, you look at where he, he's won the Valspar and, and uh, the Travelers. You Travelers. Know, they're, they're, they're events that make sense with this in mind. So yep. uh, I think he'd be one that'd be very high-owned in DFS this week, that's for sure. Yeah, Kisner and, and Strowman open at fifty. Them and down a little bit. I like I like Bazenna. I'm I'm leaning towards Christian a little bit. I, I took a head to head Bazenna plus one hundred over Lanto Griffin. Yeah, I like that. I, this is a good course for Bazaden Hoot. You know, you look mm-hmm. on where he's won in Europe. He won at Valderrama. Um, you know, he's won at Leopard Creek in South Africa. He, he's fabulously accurate and he's a great putter. His putter actually a bit quiet lately, but. Um, you look, the the thing that impresses me most about him, I think, because I'm sure a lot of you listeners know, but he's he's had a he had a really tough start in life. You know, the, the kid he drank some rat poison, and uh, you, I don't know if you know the story, but he drank rat poison mistakenly as a very young kid, um, suffered badly with that, and and the medication mm. that that was required to to help. He he has a a pretty severe stutter um, as a result, and and yet he stands up there and he does his interviews and he powers through it. I have massive admiration for him, um, and and also, I mean, he got kicked out of the amateur championship because he pe- tested positive for a drug that he was using via prescription because he has a medical problem. So yeah, he's just so much to admire. But the point of that is, like, it doesn't surprise me that he's come over to the to the US where he barely knows anybody, and he's just made cut after cut after cut. He just knows how to achieve against the odds so this is is a good spot for him because he gives up distance but he's going to hit the fairway he's a wonderful approach player and and i'll go ahead and make the statement i'll put him in the top three short game and putting in this field yeah 100 um 
And what the hell? Give it to me at 50 to 1 to win, too, right? I mean, I'm going to play some numbers this week. This is the week to do it. You know, yeah, I'll get Seamus at 20, what, 6, I think. Um, I'm going to stay away from, the obviously, the chalk. I like betting in that 26 to 35 range. But I'm going to throw some money on Bazaden Hunt. I got him in the head-to-head over Lanto. Um, we'll get to Andrew Putnam at 80 to 1. I've got him, too, as a bit of a long shot this week. Um, Danny McCarthy, you know, putting contest. He's always interesting at 60 to one. He's playing some good golf too. Yeah. It really feels like he's, he's taken that step up. Um, Mm -hmm. not in the sort of, you know, uh, the, the purest sense he's not gone and and won yet. And he's, he's seldom been in contention, but he's found consistency. And and as we know, you know, he's sometimes his long game has been a bit scratchy. Um, and he, he has leaned heavily on the putter, I think increasingly, um, he's finding a little bit more uh, to his to his all round game. Certainly, his approach play. You know, it's hit and miss, but it's better right. than it was two years ago, right? So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a good one. He's one of those you kind of back of your mind wonder whether we should be waiting for Colonial or somewhere out there um, in the southeast somewhere. But um, but certainly, um, he's he's another one of those who's who's the right kind of profile. And I dare say he's a bit of an old fashioned golfer, you know. And and there are some courses where. Yep it's hard for him, but you, you look at his schedule, he knows where to play. He's played Mexico. He played the RSM. He played Sony. He played the Amex. He didn't not bother him with Tory Pines. You know? No. Um, and, and, and that's probably the right thing to do. Yeah. That's not, that's not the place for him. He, he, um, he, I play him in the top 20 at plus plus one ninety, and you know, he's 15th at Mayakoba, 11th at Houston, 10th at the RSM, 48th at Sony, six at the Amex. You know, and this is a decent course fit for him. I think he's trending in the approach game. He's found something there. I, I'm going to look into that a little bit on his, his ball striking because his ball striking, his approach game that you alluded to, um, can be a little spotty. But as of late, he's he's certainly trending the right right way, and that's where he needs to improve because he's not going to get significantly longer, but he needs to become a better iron player. And if he can do that in the way that dude can roll the rock. Forget it. I mean, he's probably the best putter in the world. And he's certainly top three uh, in the yeah, world. He's one of those. I, I remember Snedeker a long time ago. Um, I, I know it's probably an oversimplification, but he said he, he realized that he, you know, he's not, not going to be the longest, not even be the most accurate. Um, but if he could just keep giving himself good opportunities, he, he could win tournaments with his putting. Now, obviously, Brandt's a better player than that. He's won tournaments because of his short game, his iron play, his accuracy at times. Um, but the point is that I think for McCarthy, it will have been a little bit sort of, you hear golfers talk about it, and you'll know far more about this than me, that it's sometimes focusing on a weakness isn't actually what you should do. It's mm-hmm. focus on getting the most out of what you're good at. Um, and I think Denny's shown signs that he might be able to to, to work that out. Yeah, those are good points. And we have that conversation a lot. How do you improve your weakness, but yet maintain your strength? And, you know, you only have so much time in the day. So something's happening there. His iron play is getting better. Tom Hoagie's in that range, that 66. Matt Kuchar, I kind of like this week. I find myself gravitating to Kuchar a little bit this week, as I do Michael Thompson, who opened at 70 to 1. Um, You know, top 20s, I talk about Mito playing him. Certainly going to play McCarthy. I'm going to play Kucher too in the top 20 at plus 210. I, I, I don't know. This Kucher seems like maybe he's remotivated again. I don't know that. I just, he, but his current form and the way that he's coming in, this is a good spot for him. He likes it. I'll, I'll sign up for Kucher at that top 20. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you look at just his numbers. I, I know they're all relative, but I, I do like to look at a, a player's sort of recent golf and they, they just keep shooting rounds in the 60s. Like whether, you know, forget about adjusting it for field strength and scoring average and all the stuff that we, we do when we get down in the weeds. Like for the man himself, um, he's going to be feeling like, yeah, you know, my game's back. You know, he yeah. opened 64 at Sony, he opened 65 at the RSM. This season, he's five from five. You know, he's, I think his worst round was 73 in the final round at Silverado. He's, he's playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did this last spring, didn't he? Just all of a sudden, I, I think I backed him at the Byron Nelson, actually, where um, he wasn't far behind KH Lee. And um, yeah, he, he's, he's still capable of winning an event on the PGA Tour. And a couple of top tens here, played well in the US Open. I, I can definitely see see mileage in Kuchi, yeah. Approach game. The only thing that kind of concerns me, Lay's iron game gets a, is still a little spotty, but the putter seems to be behaving. And he's a good short game player. Had a very good driving week last week, so this is a good spot for him. Get it out there in the fairway, make some putts. I I could see him making the cut and getting inside the top twenty. I don't know if I'm ready to bet him to win. Um, I can never get on the right side of Hoagie. You know, we always we all have those names that you know. It's like okay, I'm in. And then he misses the cut and then you're all right, I'm out. And then he's, you know, 18th. So it's Hoagie's one of those for me. Um, Michael Thompson's interesting to me in this range uh, as well. This could be a good spot for Michael Thompson. As we keep going down, Matt Jones, 70. There's been Lee opened at 70. Russell Knox at 80, who's played exceptionally well here. Um, you know, maybe not the best of form, but again, horses for courses. Russell, Seems to really like this place. Lucas Glover at 80. Aaron Rye opened up at 90. Charlie Hoffman's been bet way down. Let's see where Hoffman is now. Something's I mean, going on with Hoffman. I, yeah, I mean, he's one of those. Uh, he, he's not played since Mexico. And although, huh. yeah, you know, I'm talking up the the case for Matt Fitzpatrick, who hasn't played since uh, Dubai. But it seems strange that Charlie's not played, you know, typically he would have played Tory Pines. Um, you know, the Amex is a, a tournament. He's got a great record. He, he won that tournament a long time ago. So for him to not have played yet this season, um, I, I'd be a little bit worried about that. You know, he is a player who struggled with with back injuries in the past. So I'm sure there are people out there who've got a better insight as to his current well-being. But for me, it's enough of an unknown. Yeah, he's down to 60 to 1 now. Outside of Palm Springs on the on the range, I looked down the range on Tuesday, and Hoffman's down there hitting balls with this coach, Mark Blackburn. And then Wednesday morning, I'm looking through social media, and they, they posted a picture of Hoffman hitting balls out of his bay. I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened there? Like some something, something's going on there. You know, he had to he had to withdraw. So it ha- it has to be some kind of back situation. Um, I'll probably lay off that with. Um, with Hoffman, but he's been bet down to 60. Tom Hoagie's all the way down to 60. Brian Harmon's at 60. Troy Merritt, 60. Any of these names as I kind of work down the list here, and I'll take it down. Damon's getting some respect. Joel Damon, 90 to 1. He can certainly hit it very straight. I think Pat Perez deserves a look at 80 to 1 as a as a top 20 as well. Played very well last week. Seems to be very happy with his swing. Cameron Champ, I'll pass. Um, Brandon Harkins won the Corn Ferry Tour last week. He's in the field. He's he's at a hundred to one right now. Um, I mean, Harkins is you know he's very comfortable here at Pebble Beach as well. Yeah. It's a big. It's, it's very rare. I mean, we we see it occasionally. You know, players come from the Corn Ferry Tour. They get into a PGA Tour event, and generally speaking, it, it proves a little bit. 
you know, too big a, a step. But for a player like Harkins, I you know, I could see him being top forty or something. But to to go and win, I'd I'd be I'd be a little bit against that. I mean, in this kind of range, I like Ches Reevy. I I know a lot of people will think, you know, really after Luke List, are we really going to suggest that Ches Reevy can hold the six footers and win? Um, but he, he's got a fabulous record here, third third in the U.S. Open. Um, gone close. He should have won this the year. Ted Potter did, and he's exactly the sort of player that um, that should come to life here. And if you look at his record, he generally starts the year. Uh, okay, he plays Sony well, but a miscut at Torrey Pines is just kind of normal for Chess when he plays there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in the past, he's come here in seemingly bad form and just found it. And I think he's one of those players. Last week, he's fourth in driving accuracy, and yet he's 76 in strokes gained off the tee. If yeah. he's fourth in driving accuracy this week, he might be 20th in strokes gained off the tee, and that might be a five-shot turnaround. So, um, yeah, he'd be one I'd be pretty keen on at a big price. Reeves looking to do what Luke listed last week, right? To go positive 3.7 putting. If he can do that this week, he'll be there on the first page. Yeah, I'll take my chances with 1.7 and see if he's <laughs> in the top 10 right there. But yeah, it's exactly right. And look, he's a slightly better, it's marginal, but he's a slightly better putter on Poana. Um, mm. You know, the, the, his last win at the Travelers, he putted really nicely. That, that was a week after he was third here in the US Open. So there are good vibes for him. And, you know, I think there are players who are further up the betting um, at shorter prices who are not, necessarily as well suited to the course or even as as capable as Ches in good form he's just one of those who looks like he's playing badly but I'm not sure he's playing that badly so right give him a roll of the dice here yeah Ches works with Mark Blackburn as well who I was saying works with Charlie um all right here's I'm here's here's one long shot for you we talked about Nick Taylor he won at 125 to one and right now Nick Taylor is 80 to one Andrew Putnam's 80 to one so I'll, I'll bet Andrew Putnam 80 to one not because he's a Seahawks fan, and that's that's my team. Not, I'm not betting that. But Andrew Putnam, you know, recent form coming in, he's playing good. Um, he's he's doing a lot of good things. 27th Sony, 14th at the Amex. Let's come in and let's have a week. Let's have a week, Putnam. Let's let's let it all come together here this week. Let's go plus 4.5 putting, and let's have a week. So a plus. 8,000. Anybody in that range that you would throw in there? Because, again, this week feels like, and we've seen it, right? Like the, we start getting into these some of these numbers here. It's not unlikely. I mean, t- Ted Potter Jr. was 300 to 1 for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. No, I think if, you, if you're happy rolling the dice, then this is a good event for it. Um, I've got two in that kind of range. They're probably both a little bit bigger. Um, Pat okay. Perez, um, who I, I, I don't think many people will join me in Pat Perez this week, but um, – he was sixth at Torrey Pines. Anyone who reads my stuff will know I, I like the anecdotal stuff as well. And he came out of that and and said it felt like winning because his dad is the T announcer there and he's not been, you know, yeah, I think he had a quadruple heart bypass last year. Um, so it's a very emotional week for for Pat and he he really stepped up and delivered. His approach play was excellent. Um, he has a lot of missed cuts on his record the last six months, but a lot of them are by a shot um, or two shots. So I, again, I think that can mask some generally okay play and he's got a good record at pebble beach i mean 20 years ago he really should have won this tournament um um but but didn't um but i I think he's interesting and then there's kind of a trendy one i I think i've seen him all over twitter actually so it's nice to to feel like we're all on the same page sometimes um grayson sig yeah very tall rookie won here as an amateur i think he's impressed everybody in a sort of subtle way since he came out you know he's not had the in contention performance of say a Sahith Tigala or a Cameron Young. Um, but what he has done is is quietly go about making cuts, 
playing good golf, establishing himself as an accurate, good iron player. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, three figures. It, although what I said about experience does stand, I, I was happy enough. Anything sort of a hundred or bigger, I think is, um, is worth taking. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw in Naismith at <clears throat> that hundred to one too. That's a, that'll be another one that I'll throw in. I mean, course fit. This is his place for sure. Accurate, good iron, really good iron player. Um, all right. Get on some greens that maybe neutralizes the field a little bit. Plus he's one, one of those actually as well. Like, um, I think if you look at it, I, I don't know how much you should read into this, but he's got his two played this twice and been brilliant. But on both times, he actually was he was even better at Pebble Beach. So he did his work at Pebble Beach, yep. and I think you'd rather it that way, right? Because mm. all being well, you get two rounds there. And if I think if you come to this tournament feeling like you really love Pebble Beach, um, you can you can find out a way to sort of cope, you know, take care of the other two. So yeah, I do like the Smith. Um, he's He's one of those you mentioned it with Tom Hoagie for yourself. Like every time I've been on Matt Smith, he's just he's just not you know he's done something very bad at some stage. So I've fallen out with him. Yeah, his I know his putty coach very well, Marcus Potter, and it just you know incrementally getting this thing to just move the right way, and you know how it is in, in putting. I mean, I don't think anybody saw Luke List going positive three point six putting last week. Um, no, especially when he that. missed two four footers over the last three holes or whatever it was. You know, it's funny, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, uh, he, yeah. he's like like Zalatoris, I guess. He you really scared over those four footers, but he looked really good from ten. Um, but yeah. I was really pleased. I know, I know we're not got time to go over last week, but I was really pleased to see him win. You know, he's, he's oh. been he's been trying for a long time. So he he's a peach of a guy. I told a good story Monday yesterday with Jamie Mulligan, who has coached Luke List for a long time, and he was on the pod just about how long he was when he was on the corn ferry tour and this and that. And, um, guy I was working with, we got matched up and he's just, he's just, he's a wonderful dude. I mean, he really is. What's interesting with Luke is he's working with Steven Sweeney now, who is a really good putting coach here in Florida. And he's really helped him out. And I think, I think Luke is starting to become a little bit better putter, how much better we'll see. Uh, but he certainly showed great signs there on Sunday and had a great putt week. And that's, those are the things that are hard to, and you know, those are the things that are hard to anticipate, right? Is when is that player going to go plus four? It was interesting going back through his, his notes, uh, his, the, the last time that he putted that well was two years before that at the farmers, <laughs> you know, he putted well there. So clearly he's got something that he likes on those greens. So I'll, I'll, let's, let's see if Naismith can maybe pull that off and and have that kind of, week as I continue down the board here. I, I don't know if I'll go, you know, another name that's just really talented. I'm not sure if this is the place for him that I'm really intrigued by is Adam Svensson um, out of Canada. I think he's a very talented player. I probably won't play him, uh, but some of these younger guys that are in the field that might pop, I think this is a good place for Chad Ramey. Um, I think this fits well for him. So if you're looking for someone to make the cut down in those, um, value ranges. I, I like Ramey. I think this is a place for Austin Eckroak. He kind of fits this mold. You know, these are some of the younger players that I think are good course fits um, that I had down for these kinds of uh, places. Cause it isn't a bomber's paradise. This is about getting it in the fairway. Um, this is about good wedge play um, approach, second shot type of golf course and in handling some of these POA types of greens. I think short game certainly has a little more of a value here as well, but you're not going to, at least historically, 
they're not going to come up and just overpower this, right? You don't need the length doesn't have quite the value as we saw last week. In fact, it's probably quite the opposite. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when a, when a longer hitter comes and plays really, really well, then, you know, there's always going to be an advantage, right? It's not sure. a disadvantage to hit the ball long, but it's a, it's more about uh, neutering that, isn't it? It's that you put Dustin Johnson here. I won it here twice, so it wasn't much of a problem for him. But, um, you know, it, he has to go. He has to win a different way. He has to mm-hmm. he has to find those strokes that he usually gains off the tee somewhere else, typically. Um, so yeah, all about those accurate players. I mean, one I I like is Satoshi Kadera, who, yep. you know, he he's really accurate off the tee, probably mm-hmm. as accurate as anybody in this field. And he's not done a lot since he won the Heritage and upset a lot of people when he beat Siwoo Kim five years ago. I think a lot of people were on Kim that week. But um, he started to play better last year. Like He played well in the spring and he played well at the back end of the year in Japan. And he's come out this year, he's played once in the Sony. And over the final three rounds, he was... The only two players who were better than him were Hideki and uh, Kisner. Um, and if he can bring that with him, obviously he's had three weeks off, but you know, Pebble Beach is a, it's one of those, I think he's easy to just put a line through because he's missed the cut a couple of times here, but I don't think he's ever come um, feeling quite like he should after a, a really good finish at, at the Sony. And he looks the right type of player. Then uh, uh, another one, if, if I may, while I'm at it, I mean, sure. I, the one I really like of all the long shots this week, and there, there are loads. You could have you could have twenty, but I like James Hahn. Okay. Um. Again, like you, you take a very basic look and you see he's missed. I think his last three cuts. I think he missed in Houston at the final start of last year. Um. And then he's missed his first two this year. But he has a terrible record at Torrey Pines, so I'm not worried about that. He's not really long enough. I know you know some short hitters do well there, but it's not. It's basically not a course for him. Um. And his record at the Amex is patchy. Um. But it was also his first start in six weeks. So if we forgive him that, um, mm-hmm. he, gained, he gained strokes with his approach shots, both at the South Course and the Pete Dye um, Stadium Course. So there's some encouragement there. He's highly accurate. It, every, year upon year, if you go back through his record, at some stage on the West Coast, he plays well. Um, you know, obviously won Riviera, beat DJ and Casey. Um, he's been very close to winning this. He was third in his rookie season. And... It, it's James Hahn, right? Of the golfers at those sort of prices, he's the one you could actually, if he won it, you, I don't think you'd be surprised. Um, so he, he, I thought he made loads of appeal. Yeah, I'm hopefully he can, he can bag another home state win. I think of James Hahn, I think of Waste Management Phoenix Open, right? He's a damn near guaranteed top 25 there. Yeah, I mean, week. he looked like he was going to win it last year, didn't he? Right. I, I think in the end he finished like 15th, but on Sunday he was he was on for 59 and all sorts. Yeah. Um, but it, it's James Hahn. Like he, when he won Quail Hollow, I think he missed six cuts. So obviously with players like that, it is very hard to get them on the right week. But at least here we've got – he's played well. He's been third here before. He's a short hitter. Uh, he's from California. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot to like there. So I, I thought he was – yeah, he's he's interesting. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Fun week. I, you know, I, you know, we, we, we hash the, the Saudi Arabia stuff at the top. And sometimes like, I like these kinds of weeks, you know, where you have to, you gotta, you gotta dig a little bit and it does feel a little bit like a gut, although history certainly plays out here um, at this type of place. We know the long shots can do well here, but like I said, I, I have more notes this week than I've had all year, you know, and just going through my analysis and writing things down and, so it's an interesting week, certainly an opportunity um, for someone to come out and perhaps get their first win, Cameron Tringali. Gosh, I, you know, it's almost annoying at this point, right? Like he hasn't won, 
you know, it was like Finau when he couldn't get a second win. I mean, I hope he does it. I, I hope he he deserves it. My God, he's been out there for so long and has played exceptional golf the last two years. And I thought it wasn't great. He didn't win last week, but I thought he was, it was really good. He played well, you know, playing with John Rahm. I think he's getting more comfortable. So I think if Tringali does get out there on the lead and he's right there, like, I, I don't think he'll fade. I think he's, I think he's becoming more up to it. So perhaps he, he does get it here, which I'm not going to bet it, but I would not be disappointed if it happened. Yeah. I mean, and look, he's going to look at Luke list last week and he's yeah. going to think I can, I can be that guy. There you go. Yep. You know, like you look last year, I know it's not quite the same because, um, Tony had won before, but essentially Tony Finau was looking for his first win, right? In terms of the narrative, right? he was looking for an overdue win. You know, Abe Anser won like the week before and maybe Finau looked at that and thought, you know, this is my, I need to do this now. And, and yeah. I, I do believe in things like that. I do believe in, in do inspiration too. by comparison. And like Cameron Tringal should be looking at loot list and thinking, yep, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And um, <laughs> he's at the right course for it. So no, no reason why not. Yep. I, I totally agree. All right, AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am kicks off on Thursday. He's Ben Coley. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. I can't thank you enough. That was awesome. Thank you for having me on.